Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Wood Talk for Woodworkers by Woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 246 for June 1st, 2015. On today's show, we're talking about how to achieve a white lacquer finish, small dust collectors, and gouges for hinge installation. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Bruso Hardware... Love those guys. Bruso provides high-quality American-made woodworking hardware for your next project. As a special discount for new customers, use coupon code WT2015 for 10% off orders at Bruso.com. And by SawStop. After more than a decade, SawStop's combination of safety and precision has made them the number one cabinet saw in North America. Use the interactive tools at SawStop.com to build and price your ideal SawStop and then find a dealer, dealer online or near you. Protect yourself today with Sawstop. Yeah, right. Sawstop. And a special thanks to Ian Salter, Jonathan Griffith, Andrew Pritchard, Daryl Mungi, David Mungi, <laughs> David Brown. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for helping us out. And if you would like to do that, too, uh, those people all went to woodtalkshow.com and clicked one of the donation links on the side column and sent us a few bucks, uh, in some cases a little more than a few bucks. And we really appreciate the support. And, we do uh, appreciate that. We don't, we don't, we don't say that enough. We'll actually, no. we say it on every show. I was going to say we say it at the beginning of every show. <laughs> well, actually, well, Mark, Mark says usually it. says it. Yeah. So, Matt, you, these guys appreciate it too. We appreciate it too. Yeah. And if yeah. you want to get something in return, you could just go to woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway and sign up for this month's giveaway, which will be live and active and current uh, as soon as we get the show recorded. So, by the time you're hearing this, head to that page and you will be able to enter for the giveaway. That's right. Pretty good. Uh, and you know what? We missed a week last week with no notice. So apologies for that. But look, I'll be honest. Here's what happened. We we ran out of chortles. We did. <laughs> I was yeah. I was chortle free and they were on back order. Yeah. And I'm like, we can't go forward. I Mm-mm. can't do this without my chortle blanket. Yeah. And the show runs on chortles. It was, it was a whole energy crisis. So uh, yeah. So we missed the show, but we're back and we've got a regular two show week this week. So I think we should just get right into the good stuff here. 
what's on the bench? So for me, it's still all about the rocker. It's probably going to be all about the rocker for quite some time. Uh, just, you know, you'll spend days on end just sanding and scraping. And I'm at the point now where like the legs, both the rear and the front legs are glued to the seat and that's all that's glued up. But I'm doing all of the primary shaping of the, the chair at this point, because if you go any further and after you put the headrest on and you have the spindles in place, imagine trying to sculpt and sand and smooth everything at that point. It's kind of a pain in the butt. So you really want to just get everything done that you can get done at this point before moving on. So I'm on like day three of just the finesse work and getting this thing sanded thoroughly everywhere I can up to like, you know, 320. But of course there's, there's, you'll like put it at a different angle and you, you think you're done. And then you look at it a different way and go, ah, damn it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you didn't expect to see that little lump there. So you got to work that down with a rasp and then your sanding schedule has to happen again and you're scraping. And, uh, so it, you know, it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely a lot of work, a lot of handwork yes. getting to that point. I have this image of you in between things, like just getting to that point where you're just like, it's your breaking point. And you know, like some people, like you'll see them like in movies or maybe even in real life, depending on where you work. And they're just kind of like rocking themselves, like trying to console themselves. <laughs> yes. So that's what this becomes like the rocker rocker project. You find me in the corner, just rocking myself. <laughs> no more. I wish I had a rocking chair to rock myself and console myself. That's true. I haven't made the rockers yet, so I don't, <laughs> I don't have those to use. But you know what? It's super gratifying. I'm, I'm really happy with the project. I'm excited to, to show people um, what you can do with just a little bit of uh, extra effort and uh, good stuff. It's a fun project. What I always Sweet. wondered is, you know, take a guy like the guys working in the Maloof shop now or, or Charles Brock. And I just wonder, does it get easier? Like, do you fall into a rhythm and kind of you find that something that's so, I don't know, creative and not how do you describe sculpting? You know, I mean, there's no work to this line and work to this line. It, each one is slightly different. I just wonder if like muscle memory kicks in after a while. I think it does get easier and I don't think it's muscle memory. I think what you'll, what you do with a project like this is the more you do it, the more material you know that you can remove ahead of time. So hmm. when you're doing your initial bandsaw work, since this was my first time, I was a little bit cautious. So as I approached the joint, I would kind of back out of the cut soon uh, rather than cut in a little bit too far and risk, you know, diving into the joint. So if you know what you're doing and you've done this a number of times, you can remove and sculpt pretty darn close to your target line and not, you know, do anything detrimental. So you'll save yourself there. And there are also things that you can do with the sculpting tools. If you know exactly where your lines are and where your lines are going, you don't have to wait until you glue everything together. You could do a lot of that and just, you know, take the front leg, put it in your vise and start hogging away all that extra material. If you're unfamiliar with it, you got to have it attached and then draw your line and know what you're working toward. So I would mm -hmm. say, it, you know, the actual sculpting operations probably don't get faster, but you don't have to do as much sculpting because you've cut away a lot of that stock well before that point. So it goes back to the whole coarse, medium, and fine thing. Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you could you spend too much time with a rasp and... Yep, yeah. if you can remove it in the coarse step and think about the way Maloof used to do this, most of the shaping you know, that, that I wound up doing was with a grinder to get the shape that I'm looking for in a rasp. Well, he just did it freehand on the bandsaw because he knew exactly <laughs> right. where the material needed to go away. Uh, and he just zip cut it. Now, he doesn't recommend or didn't recommend and no one really recommends cutting that stuff freehand, but there's an example of a way that you really... Like when he was done with it at the bandsaw... It just needed a little bit of fine finesse work at that point. 
See, I have this image of like having making multiple versions of this or, or one right after the other and having like that one part, that one part of that one part. And somehow you always like, oh, that's too much. All right. On the next one, I'm going to stop. it. Oh, I did it again. OK, <laughs> on the next one. <laughs> oh, darn oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, man. And then somehow that becomes the feature that people go, you know, I just love how like my hand goes across here. It suddenly gets really there's a there's a nice form in there. And you're like, you know what? That's the one part I hate. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, this is not the kind of project you really want to find out that you need to do a do over on, <laughs> Oh man, you know, like things are built upon other things. And once you change something and you have to go back and make another part, it would be an absolute nightmare. So uh, yeah. yeah, don't try not to make a mistake. On this one. <laughs> so if, yeah, so that's your words of wisdom for anybody else doing this project. Yeah, Good idea. Don't screw up. Uh, but Matt, what about you? What's going on? Well, the big thing for me this weekend, uh, I took some time off. My uh, my wife and I, first of all, we celebrated our, our 15th wedding anniversary uh, about two weeks ago, and we surprised all of our friends and family with a surprise vowel renewal. Is that right? That's yeah, cool. vowel Congratulations. Vowel That's renewal. awesome. Vowel renewal. Hey, so, I, uh, vowel so renewal. how do you surprise people with that? Uh, let me tell you something. It was a surprise to me because I had no idea how we were going to pull this off. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is I stopped Samantha from ruining the surprise uh, easily a half dozen or more times. She goes, I could just tell them, right? I'm like, no, you tell them. They're going to tell everybody. Then Don't it's game tell over. them anything. So we, what we did was we lured everybody out to the beach under this guise of, hey, we're going to have a big group photo because you're all our family and we want to be there oh by the way we're having a huge dinner afterwards and we want all of you to come with us because we had a restaurant that uh, is local they do like a table or farm to table and they came up with a, an amazing menu and the price you could not beat it per person and so we lured everybody out with a with the meal and then with having the idea of having this picture and then when people got there sam and i were kind of standing there and they're like what are you guys doing? Like, well, we're going to take some pictures first and then surprise, we're renewing our vows. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the look on their faces were like, but we're having dinner though, right? <laughs> There's still dinner. <laughs> There's going to be food, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so there was that. And then the very next day, my daughter went in and had wisdom teeth taken out. So that was a lot of fun too. Mm. So I was a little leery about getting some shop time in because I wanted to make sure that she had plenty of rest and I wasn't bothering her too much, especially since uh, we've kind of moved her bedroom around and it's closer to my shop than ever. But it was a perfect time to finally start wrapping up the project that I was jokingly called the Matt Keo, which was Sam's giant farm table for when we go to have brunch with friends when we lure them out here again with the next surprise which they'll have to find <laughs> out what that is uh but that was a lot of fun and as i was explaining to you guys uh before we went on the air the best part about it was as i was trying to have sam assemble the table and do some stuff with it i would make her stop just like we do when we're starting to film something so we can get the next camera angle and at one point she got so frustrated with that she's like why do you do this how do you do this? and started yelling at me Purely about moving the camera angles around. She so. sounds like a still photographer to me. <laughs> she I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some some great moments in there. So that might be the bonus footage for uh, the patrons of <laughs> Max Basement Workshop to see that one. Nice, but yeah, it was it a was definitely Samantha screaming. Episode. Oh, That'll be yeah, good. and that we'll maybe even do like a special interview with. So, how did it feel to be the uh, pseudo host of the show? But uh, for anybody that's seen uh, the Instagram feed that we have for Mad Space, or for my my own personal Instagram feed, and I've been putting it up on the Mad Basement Workshop Facebook page, um, I do have some of the uh, a finished picture or two of the Matt Kia table, and uh, I am actually really, really impressed with it. Yeah, it turned um, it's, out nice. Yeah, it, it, it's by far my greatest work yet. Um, but I only say that because my wife did majority of it. So that's probably what explains 
why it turned out so well. <laughs> I got to tell you, in spite of Matt being super busy and dealing with renewing vows and, you know, entertaining a bunch of guests, he still had time to get on Facebook and get into a creationism in schools debate, <laughs> which I've got a lot of respect for. I'm like, like I'm, I'm watching him respond to these things and it's getting heated up and I'm not touching it with a 10 foot pole. And then I see a picture like, oh, we just renewed our vows. I'm like, what is going on over there? <laughs> I decided that was the day I was going to touch every everybody's lives in so many different ways. Uh, classic Matt. Well, I got to tell it. you, you, uh, you made Heather and I feel really bad about ourselves. Cause I think we went to Chuck E. Cheese's for our 15th anniversary. I don't even know what we did. We went out to dinner. You that guys played a little ski ball. Yeah. Well, we'll be t- we- Heather well, the actual ski ball, the actual anniversary itself, we pretty much just sat there uh, and watched TV because Sam was feeling really miserable that day. And to be honest with you, Chuck E. Cheese and some ski ball would have worked out perfect for me. <laughs> but Sam is very much the type that's like, um, I have an image to keep up, and you need to start keeping up with me on that image. So, so I, get I was that pink tie on, and let's go. That's exactly it. <laughs> so, but that was that was all the fun that I was having. Now, now, Shannon, I see that you have decided to do less woodworking and more home improvement. Are you going DIY on us? What? <laughs> well, you know, so that because I haven't responded to this enough on my own blog and on my YouTube channel and on Instagram and Facebook, the reason that the mailbox was lying in the ivy in my last video was because I just replaced it. <laughs> <laughs> can't tell you how many people have emailed me saying, man, you need to put your mailbox up. I had one guy who told me it was a federal offense to have like to not have my mailbox up at the curb. What? You in trouble? Serious about it, too. Um, uh, one well, guess what platform that comment came out of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, th- we have um, we're uh, heading we're heading out of the country. Actually, we're heading to Austria in uh, about two weeks. So we have a house sitter who's coming for the week to uh, basically take care of the dog. And um, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got somebody coming to your house. Okay, you clean up. But when you've got somebody coming and staying at your house and you're not here, it's a different kind of clean. It's it's a different kind of clean. Like the junk drawer in the kitchen needs to be clean because who knows what they're going to go through. Hide all the weapons. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's this list that you guys know that list, the ongoing list of home improvement projects that never gets done. I've been kind of working my way through those. One of which was putting up a new mailbox post and mailbox and installing a new light and just lots of little things like that. So I've, I've been in and out of the shop a lot, but I've been, uh, (laughs) to get a screwdriver. (laughs) The only wood that I worked, I think was to, uh, create a small shim, for our new uh, switch plate, and that was it. So nice. nice. Well, sometimes yeah, I, I you got to do what you got to do. The cleaning is probably very much the same as we don't have a maid, but I know people that have maids, and it's amazing how much cleaning up they do before the maid comes to do the cleaning up. Yeah. So it's got to be something along the lines of that. You know, we've actually talked about that. We've talked about, you know, it might be kind of nice. It's actually not that expensive to have somebody come out like once a week. And it's like, yeah, we'll do that once we clean the house. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we actually, when I was a kid, we had a like friends, not really direct friends, but like friends of friends who had a house cleaning service. And I guess my mom got a really good price on it because she's really cheap and wouldn't be pay a premium for someone to clean her house. Uh, but yeah, they would come in and my mom's theory was, look, we've got to have everything not only picked up off the floor, but cleaned and vacuumed and wiped down so that when the cleaning people come, they can do like a super deep cleaning. Um, so yeah, I hated the the day that the cleaning people came because that meant the day before I was busting my butt cleaning our house <laughs> that was about to be cleaned. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I had experienced that, I had a friend that his parents were like, uh, the maid's coming over. You guys need to get up and clean. I'm like, okay, is that like an oxymoron? Are you pulling my leg? What is going on here? <laughs> and it makes no sense. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into what's new is where you guys share some stuff with us and we share it with the uh, audience at large. First one here is from Kurt. He says, thought this was an interesting take on woodworking education. What are your thoughts? This is a popular woodworking blog, editor's blog article titled Hand Tools versus Power Tools for Beginners. And I think to clarify, it's a little bit more focused on education. Uh, And if you have a woodworking class or industrial arts sort of class in a school, be it middle school or high school, uh, would you prefer to see them using hand tools or power tools? Initially, I looked at the title and I'm like, like I thought this was just going to be someone rehashing hand tools versus power tools. Uh, But it's by uh, Sean Graham from Worth, uh, Worth, Worth the Effort, his Worth the Effort thing, like the way he uses his uh, avatar, the way it's spelled, like on Twitter, always confuses me. Yes, I have the same problem. Yeah, worth effort, woodworking. Worth or? effort or worth the <laughs> worth effort. the effort. Worth yeah. effort. Worth effort. Worth effort. Worth effort. Anyway, worth. Sean Graham <laughs> is the guy who wrote it, and it's a, a very long post for a blog post, but if you can get through it, it's it's an interesting take on it. Now, he's from a academic environment. He was a teacher for a long time, and now he has a woodworking school. So he has a very interesting take on the role of power tools and hand tools and what it means to the students. And he's falling uh, these days heavily in favor of using hand tools as uh, something that can be more useful to young minds as they're going through these programs. So I thought it was really interesting. I think it's a little bit of a deep topic for us to get into in terms of like us actually exchanging our thoughts on this. Uh, but I will just sum it up to say that I think it's, you know, overall, I think it's a good thing to go with hand tools. If we're looking at general, general enrichment, uh, if you're looking for job training, I'm not sure that that's the best way to go to prepare a kid for what they're actually going to confront in the working world. But I do think I would rather see my son start with hand tools and have that be something that if he wants to build upon it later, he can, but there's just a lot of general I don't know. It just reminds me like I I regret not being brought up in an environment where I learned how to use a hand plane before I used uh, a table saw. Uh, And and that to me seems like the right way to go. So I don't know, but interesting. And there's definitely, it's a blog. You can uh, chime in uh, on there and give your opinion on it. And uh, Sean seems to be responding to everyone as well. So pretty good stuff. Very nice. Very, very nice. Well, I get a lot of people who email me and say, you know, how do I understand uh, I want to understand more about furniture styles. You know, what is Queen Anne? What is Shaker? All that. And my response is always go to museums. Go to as many museums as you can and look at furniture or uh, pick up a museum book and look at the different types of furniture. And I get a lot of people who are like, well, yeah, that's good for you. You live, you know, on the East Coast, real close to a bunch of museums. I live in BFE, Indiana. You know, there's mm-hmm. there are no places for me to go. So I stumbled across this um, Mount Vernon, uh, George Washington's home has put up a new virtual tour website. And it is exactly that you can basically it reminds me a little bit of like the old um, CD-ROM, like the latest and greatest, most cutting edge uh, educational tool. And you load up the CD-ROM. So it's not like it's not video, but it's a very cool, uh, high resolution images. And you basically just click around, you get information on it. And I've been to Mount Vernon in person. And while it's not the same experience, you pretty much can quote unquote, walk around 
all the rooms and scroll around and see what's in them. And there's a lot of really cool furniture. Now, obviously, if you're not into 18th century furniture, this will do nothing for you. <laughs> um, but it's just it's really cool. I'd like to see more museums do stuff like this. Um, you know, I can only imagine how long it took them to put this together. But it's a lot of fun just to, to browse around. And, uh, you know, you can see the outbuildings and the different rooms and the blacksmith shop. And cool. It's it's cool. You can you can easily waste an hour on it. Yeah, I was wasting an hour before you guys came on here playing with it. I'm like, damn it, Shannon. Dang it. <laughs> Why did you do this? <laughs> nice. So nobody say, oh, I can't get to any of those museums. It's on the computer. You can now. Yeah. Sweet. It's in the computer. Nice. Well, you know what else is in the computer? We got another link, and this one came in from Patrick. And Patrick suggested we check out a video called The Pipe Maker. So this was another one I was over checking this out because just like Mark, I don't want to be the person going, yeah, I haven't watched this yet. Maybe you should. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> so I went over there. I, I took a look at it, and it's really neat. It's it's just as it describes. It is a, uh, a gentleman who is a pipe maker, and he uses uh, a little mixture of uh, power tools and hand tools. But I have to say – as cool as the pipe was, um, it was the uh, Pink Floyd, I Wish You Were Here in the background that actually kept me the longest there. <laughs> so it was a nice instrumental, and they did a good job of, uh, especially when he was working on some of the, uh, the, the important parts of creating the pipe. And he did a really neat job of taking a blank and showing how he kind of literally draws in the pipe to get the, the look and everything. And it's a really, really neat, neat pipe. So definitely check that out. Uh, just as a little uh, PSA and on the side, we are not uh, suggesting that you smoke. But hey, there's no reason why you can't just get one and put it in your mouth and look like, you know, him. Look cool. It just look makes cool. you look cool. Right. You just need like a big, like one of those like uh, cardigans, like a big cardigan with a big <laughs> neck thing. Oh, wait, I have one now that I think about it. And you have, so to, say, uh, you have to say lovey a lot. Yes. Hello, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is one of my pathologists that I used to work for, he's retired now, but they showed pictures of him when he first started working and he had a cowboy hat and he had like the, the, the long jacket that you would see when they're riding, like the duster or whatever that thing is. And then he had a pipe and he was always, he didn't smoke the pipe. He just had the pipe because he thought it made him look more doctorish. That's a man's man right there. That is, definitely. Cool. All right, let's get into our poll of the week from our good buddy, Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com. And uh, since we didn't do a show last week, we didn't give you advance notice on this, but we did have a poll go up. And we asked the question, what was it? When did you start woodworking? And obviously the answers to this are age ranges, which doesn't make for great audio. So uh, go to the website and check it out. You'll see how it all (laughs) broke down. But the interesting thing was I edited it up. There were two categories that were teenagers and younger, roughly. So very young. Uh, 55% of the responses, and we had almost 1,400 people reply to this, 55% of them were teenage years or younger when they got started woodworking. Nice. That's interesting. I wonder if there's another, we should have a follow-up poll, which says, at what point did you leave and then come back? Yeah, when did I you was going to say, I, I bet a large percentage of that 55% disappeared for 10 years or so and then came back later. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, now, this week, we have a question about woodworking magazines. Uh, it's what did you do what, or what do you do with your woodwork? Wood, I can do this, I swear. I promise. Yeah, what did you do with your what? What did you do? <laughs> With your woodworking magazine. So basically, after you read them, do you throw them away? Do you burn them? Do you give them to a library or small children? What do you do with them? I can tell you what I did. I gave mine to a local woodworker. There you go. I met him in a a very public parking lot because I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Met the guy on Craigslist, so you wanted to be extra safe? Yes, yeah. I didn't didn't come for the massage. I just came to drop off the magazines. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
Uh, you know, interestingly enough, our weekend show is going to be focused on woodworking magazine. So this kind of, you know, kind of dovetails a little bit in some sort of hey, way. You planned that. Uh, yeah, actually, no, we didn't. It's just kind of a weird coincidence. Uh, all right. So let's move into our kickback and I'll tell you what the last show where we talked about how do you transport lumber? I don't think I've seen a response to a wood talk topic like that one yet. (laughs) No, that was off the wall. That wasn't crazy. That was just so many of them. I think we should have a, a, a topic that is like, what kind of pencil do you use? <laughs> yeah. And we could have a whole discussion about that. And I bet you will get just as many. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, we really hit on a topic that folks have opinions on and wanted to share their stories. So if you go to woodtalkshow.com and look for that episode, you will find plenty of feedback there. So we're not going to uh, bore you with all the details, but lots of good information for transporting lumber. Let's just say apparently people transport lumber. They do. It's just something yeah. that people do, I guess. Uh, Diami also called in and left a voicemail. The problem was it was unlistenable and not just because of Diami, because of the... <laughs> Because of the connection. And it was like, I don't know whether he was in a car or what, but every other word was broken up. So sorry about that, Diami. I wish I could play it. Uh, But he was basically talking from what I could make out about roof racks. And uh, that's one of his handiest things. We do have another piece of feedback, uh, kickback later on that talks about roof racks as well. He was probably standing on his roof rack, like driving through Manhattan. (laughs) His wife is driving. Surfing while we left the voicemail. (laughs) He wanted to show you how versatile it really is. It's actually, (laughs) I'm going to have to play it for you guys later. That's actually what it sounded like. There you go. Uh, All right. And uh, we do have one voicemail kickback related to this topic, uh, the whole transporting lumber from Brian. Play that for you now. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon, this is Brian McCauley from Columbia, Maryland, not too far from Shannon. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how uh, I move my lumber. You guys were talking about minivans. I own a Dodge Grand Caravan. It's the type with the, you know, the seats fold down into it and all that stuff. You, you can put a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood in it. It is a great compromise. I've got three kids, so... When uh, the third one was born, I I actually convinced wife that a minivan was the way to go because I knew there was no way and tell she was going to let me get a truck not with three kids. So I convinced her to get a minivan specifically for me to be able to go and buy lumber. Uh, so it's a it's a good option, and like you guys said, minivans are cool. All right, thanks. Love the show. Bye. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Brian. And uh, Matt, I think you got the next one here. I do. This one came in from Nathan, and he says, For the gentleman asking a question about humidity in the basement, air movement can help with humidity. Before I would invest in the upfront cost of a dehumidifier and the ongoing cost to operate it, and of course the the hassle of emptying the water, I would try a simple box fan or other house fan and see if that improves it. If it does, something like a whole house ventilation system might be worth the investment. Check out Easy Breathe as a suggestion from Nathan. And I think you would find that a unit like that would be cheaper to run in the long run and have benefits for the whole house and not just the shop and thus be easier to convince significant other of its merit. So cool. definitely pretty. That is a really good point because I have found that uh, our basement windows, we only got a couple of them really. And when I do open them up, I notice even on the most humid days, there is something about a nice breezy day to help kind of circulate things around a lot. And of course, um, yeah, that helps. Cool. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, that helps. Okay. I had another thought there and it went right out the window apparently when I opened it. Out the basement window. <laughs> Uh, This one comes from KT in Northern Virginia. He has some kickback for episode 244. 
when Matt was talking about his wife's next project request for him, the, uh, the Matt Kia table, it made me think of an amusing BuzzFeed video I saw last year. <clears throat> they had couples race to build Ikea furniture as a relationship test. So my idea is how would it work if the three of you had a competition? Mark, Matt, and Shannon make a project kit and have the wives race to put it together. The wild card is how well each of you set your wives up for success <clears throat> or not. It may <laughs> also get Mark to bust out the wig again for a video. And for that reason alone, I say we do it. <laughs> it doesn't take much for me to bust out a wig. I, I gotta kind of say. Funny. I guess it's not a whole lot of twisting, arm twisting there. I'll tell you what. My, uh, the nighty. That's when it, it takes a little effort. Now that may yeah. not happen again. That uh, costs dinner. And I'll tell you what. Nicole ain't putting anything together. She's busy putting a baby together, and she just does not have the energy to put anything other than that together. So basically, yes. no matter what we did, Nicole would just kind of step up, and drop the mic, and go making a baby. That's right. <laughs> what you guys do today? Like, Sam made a sandwich. There you go. She already has credit from before. There you uh, go. All right, who's next? So we, well, this one, next one came in, and this came from Casey. And this actually, I do believe, yes, this is going to be another one of the uh, car suggestions of the discussion about transporting lumber. This is Casey from Minnesota, eh? And in your discussion of lumber transporto- transportation back in Wood Talk 245, I'm surprised you did not mention using a car's roof rack, which actually, if we'd have been able to get the Diami voicemail, I think that would have taken care of it. Yep. Uh, Casey was saying his uh, car is an Outback that came with a rack that is great for boards and even plywood. Aftermarket racks are available for almost any car and would conceivably use one for non-woodworking endeavors if that helps with domestic bargaining. I regularly put 10-foot boards on the roof, even though they will fit inside the car, and rough saw lumber piles, or excuse me, rough saw lumber bites rope and ratchet straps very well, so it never shifts around at all, even at highway speeds. For in-town plywood runs, I strap two two-inch by four-inch by eight-foot boards. Shannon's notation is right, according to Casey. You can't and- stop the revolution. And that's the last time, Casey, that your email will ever be read on the show. Uh, so anyways, you can strap those to the rack and secure the sheets to these runners. I would never transport plywood at highwood speeds unless I cut strategic speed holes in the sheets to reduce the risk of a Kineto aerodynamic vehicular catastrophe. Yikes. I limit myself to about 50 board feet or two three-quarter inch by 48 inch by eight foot panels per trip. And now for the PSA from uh, Casey, be sure to follow your local laws regarding flags and remember to check the forecast before you go out. I don't understand. His plywood is only three quarters of an inch long. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. It doesn't make sense to me. But the 48 inches deep. Holy cats. Wow. That's that's thick. All right. Let's move into email. And the first one here is from Heath. He says, I want to do a project that mixes wood with a natural finish and a high gloss white. I've watched lots of videos on how to polish lacquer to a high gloss, but it's always clear. Is it possible to put a layer of paint under the lacquer or mix paint with the lacquer so the results are a shiny white surface? All right, this is something I probably have mentioned on the show before, so forgive me if I have, but one of my favorite ways to do a sort of painted surface that has a lot more depth and definitely has more of the, the look of lacquer and a clear-coated sort of finish is to put pigments in the lacquer itself. So you're on the right track, Heath. If you can get a hold of some white pigment, excuse me, UTC pigments are great. You can find them online. Some paint stores carry them and put a couple of scoops in your can of lacquer and you could apply 
you know, three or four base coats until you have a good solid white color. And then you could start to taper off. You don't need any more or you just use less or just keep adding more uh, clear lacquer to your can and dilute it out so that you're building clear coats on top of that pigmented layer. And this way, each each layer of finish is completely compatible. It's burning into the layer prior. You don't have to worry about is this you know finish compatible with the paint layer that I put on. It's all mixed together. And then by the time you're at clear coats, you have three or four coats on top of that, it's going to be a beautiful glossy finish. And if you really want to rub out the surface uh, like you would with a clear lacquer, just put a lot more coats on there because you have to have a nice thick layer before you start to abrade the surface for uh, buffing it out. Uh, But it's a great way to go. It's very simple. I find it to be a very forgiving process and it's to me much more fun to do than using paints and then trying to clear coat that. So that's how I would handle it. I can tell you having tried the paint and then lacquer over top, Mm -hmm. it doesn't come out the way you're envisioning. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of like Japanese lacquered, black lacquered furniture. That's the, the, and probably he he's probably thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the vision you have in your head. And I don't care what you do, that paint layer won't lie flat enough. Um, so the lacquer ends up telescoping, tele, telegraphing those little undulations. Then you keep putting more and more coats of lacquer on top and it just doesn't. Maybe if you put like 25 coats of lacquer, maybe <laughs> it might start to level out at that point. Yeah, but it doesn't sound it fun. Just, it doesn't, even then, you still can kind of see where the lacquer ends and the paint begins. It's like almost like a bar top epoxy. Like you can see yeah. what's sitting on the surface. Just doesn't work. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's a good thing about the, the pigment method is that you can, uh, with no problem, sand each coat before you layer it on so you can smooth yeah. it as you go. You'll make a lot of white powder in the process, but that's fine. Um, but you'll spray the next coat. It'll all melt in, and uh, it's a pretty good way to go. Mm, melt in. Mm, nice. Delicious. All right. Well, hey, this next question came in from Matt, and I've decided we've been getting a lot of Matt questions lately. And uh, It's nice that you my- could uh, increase your knowledge using the show, Matt. I, what are you talking about? I wouldn't do that. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> so anyways, this is from a different Matt, I swear. And his question is, I have a question about a dust collector for my small basement workshop. Total coincidence. Just saying, total coincidence. Uh, I'm currently my using wife a shop Sam back. said. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Uh, uh, a, guy, a guy I know whose wife has a question uh, wants to know. Anyways, though, so uh, it's a, a question about a small dust collector for my small basement workshop. I'm currently using a shop vac with a cyclone separator and a two and a half, two and a half inch hose hooked up to my machines. While this has been a good starting point, I think it's time to upgrade. Uh, I came across a few different dust collectors with quote unquote small footprints. One option is less than a one horsepower wall mount version with uh, 500 to 650 CFM. The section, second option is a larger than one horsepower rolling dust collector with a thousand plus CFM. And he's saying that he's uh, really kind of drawn towards the smaller units because of the size and the amp requirements, but he's concerned about the lower CFM and filter specs and he's about whether they would actually be enough to help reduce the dust in the shop. And he goes on to say that Shannon, he knows, has a wall-mounted unit from one of his videos and would be interested in his input on the performance. He's not going to get it, Matt. You're going to get mine. No, uh, I currently he says that he has a uh, currently has a rigid mobile contractor table saw, a 12 inch uh, compound miter saw and a uh, spiral head lunchbox planer along with a router and all that good stuff. Uh, so basically what he's really wondering is, do you think a dust collector with less than one horsepower and less than 1000 CFM dust collector would be enough with the setup or should I look to the greater than one horsepower or maybe even other options. And as a side note, he's also thinking about incorporating separators in either one of these situations. So uh, small 
quote unquote small footprint one with low CFM or something a little bit larger. Honestly, Matt, uh, I know that with a small basement workshop, space is tight and those small ones look really, really good. Uh, I don't have any experience with them, but I have had a dust collector that was uh, much smaller than one horsepower. And unless you have a shorter hose on them, and we're talking like five to six foot hose, you really don't get the suction like you could with something much larger. So unless you are planning on rolling that around to uh, tool to tool, I definitely would recommend with looking at something much larger. Those small ones, they look fantastic. And again, maybe if you had one or two of them where you could hang them somewhat close to the machines, you might get some benefit from them. But if you're really being serious about trying to get good dust collection, you do need to step up when it comes to the power on these things. Uh, because once you start laying out some hoses and even with that uh, uh, the, the separator in there and stuff like that, it's it's amazing how much suction you'll actually lose over uh, what seems like a not so long distance, but that's that's the experience I've had with it, and especially with the tools you're talking about there. You definitely want to step up if you're if you're really serious about trying to keep the dust from flying all over the place, literally. Now, Shannon, your small one, he said that you, you'd be interested in your input on it. How, how's that working for you? <laughs> well, you need no more input than I don't have it anymore. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> no, I, I bought it with the same idea. That's It's a, a wall-mounted unit that, that Rockler sells. It's a fine unit. I want to say it's a three-quarter horse. It's a glorified shop vac, um, and it does a great job for that. It did a great job on my DeWalt planer, and I thought, wow, you know, you don't need a big dust collection. And then it was then I realized that the um, DeWalt 735 has an ejection fan built into the housing, and I kept forgetting ah. about that. Um, so when I started hooking it up to other machines, it was a noticeable performance drop off because there wasn't that extra oomph coming from the machine. So I imagine the um, the the fan in the planer itself was probably upping the CFM pretty dramatically. So what I ended up, it kind of degraded to just using it with the, the hose and the little floor sweeper thing to just use it as a shop vac to clean up. And that was nice. It was convenient and everything. I wish that it would do a better job. Um, I still have it. It's in my lumber shed right now, not hooked up. I keep thinking that one day I'll bring it back into the shop since I'm not, uh, I'm not, Run, the only power tool I'm running anymore is is my planer, but it's just not going to cut it for the planer. It doesn't have the uh, airflow necessary to maintain that volume of chips. Um, the other thing I found is the little grate over the input, both on the floor sweep and on the input to the machine itself, like caught everything, everything. It wasn't, you know, certainly if you try to suck up smoothing plane shavings, it's going to get caught up, but it just seemed like the tiniest chips would get clogged in that thing. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's just not going to come close to a one to one and a half horsepower collector. Nice. Now, now Mark, you have uh, a straw and a fan, don't you? Is that what you're running around yours? <laughs> yes. Actually hired someone to sit there and just suck on a straw in nice, my shop. Nice. Maybe some bellows. Maybe you'll, you'll get them some bellows for Christmas or yeah, something. Yeah, when they get tired, you know, you got you to gotta be reasonable here with these things. There you go. Sweet. <laughs> nice. Well, this next question I picked out of our scrap pile just because of who it came from. This comes from Serious Turtle. Oh, I love this one. What a Serious Turtle. Just well, think that's that in and of itself merited getting on the show. So was he on there's your tip, people. If you really want your question to be read, it, you know, don't send it in. Well, it, unless your name is Matt, 
If your name is Matt, then your question will get read on the show. Yes. You're pretty much guaranteed Every it's time. Get read on the show. <laughs> yeah. So Serious Turtle says, I'm a contractor, and every week I'm installing a door slab or two in my client's homes. Since I'm only doing a single door in a person's house, I don't want to lug my router and hinge template jig with me. I always transfer my marks and chisel out the mortises for the three and a half inch hinges. My problem is chiseling out the five eighths inch radius by hand. And he's talking about modern hinges. They have rounded corners. Um, that I guess it's a five eighths inch radius. I tend to use my utility knife to cut a line and then chisel it out, but it's a pain in the butt. And I would love to use a five eighths inch radius chisel or gouge, but I don't know if the geometry of a five inch five eighths inch radius gouge would match a five eighths inch radius hinge. Do you guys know if the two radii are compatible or have any other non-power tool ideas for chiseling out those hinges? Okay, Serious Turtle. Um, first thing you need to realize is that when you look at a 5 8 inch gouge, it is referring to the width of the gouge and not the radius or what's known as the sweep, the curvature to that gouge. Um, I don't think, I mean, sweeps will vary from manufacturer to manufacturer, especially if they're British made, European made, or American made, they're kind of all different. And I don't think anyone will try to explain to you what that radius is. Um, it's it's just going to vary all the way up to some of them. Technically, will form a semicircle in the higher sweeps, like the nine sweeps or eight sweeps, depending on your your measurement system. You're, it's a failing battle, though, to try to find one that's necessarily going to match that radius. But here's the thing. with One thing you can do with a, a gouge is you can, I don't know how to describe this, quote-unquote, bend the gouge into a tighter curve. As long as the sweep of the gouge is wider than the curve you're trying to match, you can always get that gouge to match just by kind of... Um, pivoting the gouge around the, the, the curve. You can kind of guide it around. If your gouge has a tighter sweep, you can't, you can't make it make a wider sweep. Boy, I wish I could figure out a way to describe this. <laughs> um, in the end, if you had a gouge, it might make things a little bit easier, but I think what you'll find is that just a regular chisel can kind of, especially a narrow chisel, like a quarter inch or even a three sixteenths chisel can kind of, um, hog out the majority of the stuff so that you're real, real close to your line. And then you can come back with, I would say like a, probably a number three sweep and you can kind of set it right on your line and just starting with one corner in the wood, start to work your way around the line and you'll be able to guide that chisel right onto your line. And it kind of bends that radius around. Um, the best thing I can tell you to do is try it. It becomes pretty obvious the first time you try it. You just have to start with a relatively flat sweep. Uh, that's why I say probably a number three sweep would be your best bet. And you can work right to that line. Cool. Cool. All right. Very right nice. Right to the line. Right to the right line. Right to the line. Yeah, hopefully that probably made no sense whatsoever. But it makes perfect sense in my head, and that's all that matters. I'm going to listen exactly. to it backwards later on, and it'll make sense to me. It might make more sense. Off the line. <laughs> right. All right. Well, if you want to support the show and keep this fun little train running on its track, you can do that. Just go to Wood Talk <laughs> Show. Yeah, woodtalkshow.com, and uh, you could look for the donation links on the right-hand side and help us out. You could also get a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And if you want to enter our giveaway, go to woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway, and you'll see a little widget there, and push some buttons, click some things, and you'll be entered. 
And uh, let's see. You can also leave us an iTunes review, which is a fun way to support the show. Just go to iTunes, look us up, click on ratings and reviews. And if you can, click that five-star rating just like Terry did. What did Terry say? Hold on. Give me a second. Somebody stall. Terry, Terry with an I, not Terry with an R-Y. That's right. It's Terry. Terry with an I. Terry it's with an, an I. One R, one I. Is that when, it's, when it has an I, is it then known to be male or female or is it still ambiguous? I, I like to think ambiguous. I don't like to. I don't like to put limitations on on what uh, sexes can do. Well, then I will Be- not say he or she. I will just, just say Terry. Terry. It said. It says. <laughs> Terry I, said. I, I love listening to this podcast. I'm an aspiring woodworker, aspiring to one day have some tools and time and knowledge to start making my own stuff. Until then, I have this podcast to listen to. I've tried to listen to a couple other woodworking podcasts since I found this one, but none of the others feel like my kind of people. You guys are my kind of people. Keep up the great work. I love being and, other people's people. Yes, absolutely. And that was one of my things people. is. You know, during our, our vow renewal, Sam said that I was definitely her type of people. <laughs> That's good to know after 15 years. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, finally, <laughs> I was worried that I was somebody else's kind of person and not yours. That's great news. All right, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, question, a topic, suggestion, or are we also your kind of people? Or if not, what kind of people aren't we or are we? Well, anyways, though. Several different ways to contact us and let us know about that question. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Unless you're Diami on top of your roof rack, please use more common sense than that. Uh, email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. And... You should probably know this by now, folks, but just in case you're new to the show and somehow you stumbled into this show before any of the other ones, you're going to find us at our own websites. There's Mark over at thewoodwhisper.com. There's Shannon over at renaissancewoodworker.com. And there's Matt over at mattsbasementworkshop.com. And I always feel weird when I talk about myself in third person. That's perfectly fine. I do it all the time. Okay, good. Well, Matt agrees that's a good, good thing. All right. Well, Mark, thanks everyone for listening and have a great woodworking week. Matt Both says goodbye. Nuts. You're nuts. <laughs> My nuts? You're nuts. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.